Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. They take care of our air conditioning, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Bob Levy, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. It is June the 14th, and on this day in 1777, during the American Revolution, the Continental Congress adopted a resolution stating that the flag of the United States be 13 alternate stripes, red and white, and that the Union be 13 stars, uh, white in the blue field, representing a, a new constellation. The national flag, which became known as the Stars and Stripes, was based on the Grand Union flag, a banner carried by the Continental Army in 1776, that also consisted of 13 red and white stripes. According to legend, Philadelphia Steam seamstress Betsy Ross designed the new canton for the Stars and Stripes, which consisted of a circle of 13 stars and a blue background at the request of General George Washington. Uh, historians are pretty dubious about that. It could be apocryphal. <laughs> that may be part of a history that's made up. Any event, with the entrance of the new states in the United States after independence, new stripes and stars were added to represent new additions to the Union. In 1818, however, Congress enacted a law stipulating that the 13 original stripes be restored and that only stars be added to represent new states. On June the 14th, 1877, the first Flag Day observance was held on the 100th anniversary of the adoption of the Stars and Stripes. As instructed by Congress, the U.S. flag was flown from all public buildings across the country, <laughs> except for at the White House. Unbelievable. <clears throat> in the uh, stars, in the years after the first Flag Day, several states continued to observe the anniversary, and in 1949, Congress officially designated June 14th as Flag Day, a national day of observance. Now, the current design is the 27th iteration of the flag and the longest-used design since the U.S. hasn't added a new state since 1959. Plus, I don't know how they'd fit 51 stars on there, but that's they'd kind of mess up the symmetry. Anyhow, last year, four senators introduced the All-American Flag Act to require that federal government to exclusively buy American flags made in the United States as of 2017, the U.S. imported 10 million American flags from abroad, 99.5% of which were made in China, of course. And by the way, it's not only Flag Day. It happens to be uh, President Trump's birthday today. So happy birthday, uh, President Trump. Well, former President Trump uh, left a Miami federal courthouse on Tuesday after pleading not guilty to 37 felony charges related to his alleged mishandling of classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago estate. The 2024 frontrunner turned himself into federal court on yesterday when he was booked on charges that pleaded and pleaded not guilty. The indictment accused Trump of failing to comply with demands to return classified documents, including plans for a retaliatory attack on the unnamed foreign power. Other documents included defense and weapon capabilities of the U.S. and details of the U.S. nuclear program. 
It said the unauthorized disclosure of these classified documents could put at risk the national security of the United States. I'm not kidding. He really said this. Foreign relations and the safety of the United States military and human resources and the continued viability of sensitive intelligence collection methods, the indictment said. Uh, made no reference to the uh, presidential <coughs> documents uh, law, the law and the sock case in the Supreme Court uh, that suggested this is all bogus. But nevertheless, it also accused him of storing the documents in a bathroom and other places in the residence and of showing off the documents to visitors. In one instance, he said to have told individuals of a document, as president, I could have declassified it, and now I can't, you know, but this is still a secret. <laughs> Trump uh, this is almost comical if it weren't so tragic. Trump has been dis uh, dismissed the charges as a political hit job against him and the Bi Biden Department of Justice. Uh, Trump stopped at the Miami Cafe on Tuesday after pleading not guilty to federal charges in a nearby courtroom. He stopped at the Cafe Versailles, where he was greeted by religious leaders and supporters who prayed with him. He also ordered some pastries. Food for everyone, he said. The crowd sang happy birthday to him, and the former president's birthday is today, of course. Former President Donald Trump received a hero's welcome Tuesday night as he returned to his New Jersey golf club after pleading not guilty in the federal court. Uh, after taking the stage at the Trump National Golf Club, Ben Minster, to leave Greenwood's God Bless the USA, Trump told a couple of hundred supporters he had undergone political persecution like some straight out of a fascist or communist nation. <coughs> Excuse me, they ought to drop this case immediately <coughs> because they're destroying the country, he said. And by the way, uh, at uh, Fox News, I don't know how this, somebody's going to get fired for this, but the Chiron... Uh, showed split screen between uh, between Biden giving a talk while Trump was giving his comments at Bedminster. The Chiron said, wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. Wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. Uh, somebody's going to pay a price for that because, of course, they're fully behind DeSantis and very much against Trump at uh, Fox News. So that's kind of interesting. Anyhow, uh, so uh, we'll see how this all turns out. This is just the beginning, I'm sure, but uh, just more attacks on President Trump. They really, really don't want him to run for president. They're doing everything in their power to prevent it. Well, yesterday, the Bureau of Labor Statistics released the Consumer Price Index report for May, and the closely watched measure of inflation showed that consumer prices rose 4% annually last month, less than half of the rate and uh, the, the peak at June 2022. While prices are still rising briskly in certain sectors of the economy, the overall report was a hopeful sign that our long-inflated horror story could be entering its final chapters. Here's some takeaways from the report. Energy is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Cheaper energy played a major role in pulling inflation down to 4% last month from 4.9% in April. Gas prices plunged almost 20% from last year when Russia's invasion of Ukraine sent fuel costs to the moon. Also, revenge spending. I had never heard of this before, but it's down. Now, what is revenge spending? Once pandemic lockdowns lifted, Americans splurged on vacations, leisure, and recreation in what economists dubbed as revenge spending. Now that everyone has taken their week-long trip to Italy, there are signs that the revenge spending is waning. 
Airfare prices have dropped 13% annually in May, and according to the U.S. Travel Association, hotel demand is below 2019 levels. However, food prices are up. The cost of food ticked up 0.2% in May from April after uh, staying flat in the previous two months, showing how inflation has persisted on the grocery store shelves. But not all aisles are created equal. The price of eggs dropped nearly 14% from April, the biggest one-month drop since 51, while fruit and veggies priced uh, grows by 1.3%. And more than anything else, rent is propping up inflation. Shelter costs are the largest category in the CPI report, and they're still on the upward march, climbing 8.7% from a year earlier. The good news, economists say the government uh, doesn't reflect the ground information, such as reports of softening, softening rent by Zillow and apartment list. <clears throat> Shelter costs in the CPI are expected to decline during the second half of the year. Looking ahead, later today, the Fed Chair Jerome Powell is expected to announce a pause in interest rate hikes after 10 consecutive increases. And if inflation continues to drop like it did last month, he may not start it up again anytime soon, uh, according to Bloomberg. And yesterday, the stock market uh, began to levitate a little bit more. Stocks closed higher. Uh, 0.7% on S&P and 04 on the Dow uh, ahead of today's uh, Fed meeting. <clears throat> and the NASDAQ is at its highest level since April of 2022. So we'll keep a watch on this. The PPI is coming out this this morning at uh, 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 8.30. So that should have some impact on markets as well. Well, Twitter dropped another episode of Tucker on Twitter yesterday around 6 p.m. Already, uh, as of this morning, there's over 32 million views. After only two hours, there was 8 million views of Tucker's show. I think this might revolutionize the news and how it's presented. Carlson denounced the widespread anti-Trump effort to get uh, former President Trump saying Trump's fate was sealed when he denounced Washington's military-industrial complex lie to invade Iraq after 9-11. Now, this is so interesting. His, his analysis is really superb. Yes, Donald Trump is a flawed man, but his sins are minor compared to those of his persecutors, he said at the end of his 13-minute monologue, his third episode of Tucker on Twitter, posted just hours after Tuesday's arraignment in Miami. If this life, in this life we don't get a choice to choose our martyrs, we can only choose our principles, and America's principles are at stake, said Tucker. Trump pleaded not guilty on 37 counts of retaining national defense information. And uh, Carlson and Trump uh, said certainly uh, guilty of one thing, opposing establishment Washington on behalf of the American people. So that's his conclusion. Uh, He's guilty of opposing establishment Washington on behalf of the American people. That is absolutely a great summary. The persecution of Donald Trump is transparently political, Carlson said. He literally is Joe Biden's main political opponent. He's polling over 60% of the Republican voters right now. So Joe, Joe Biden is doing what, what nobody else has dared to do. He's using the law enforcement to lock up his chief rival. That's happening right now. <clears throat> Anyone that denies it is, uh, happens to be lying to you. But it's worse because of its ideological, too, according to Carlson. Nobody with Trump's views is allowed to have power in this country. Criticize our wars, and you are disqualified. If you keep it up, we'll send you to prison, said Carlson. That's the message that Washington is sending 
Carlson denounced mainstream media's bloviating, even by former uh, Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompeo on Carlson's former network Fox News on Tuesday morning. The U.S. defense uh, compromised because Donald Trump took some classified documents home and didn't immediately return them to the National Archives. Carlson asked incredulously. What a lie that is, Carlson said. Carlson's most recent Tucker on Twitter calls called on Americans to cling to their taboos, including the unpopular position of opposing war, something D.C. seeks to strike back against. Most of the permanent Washington uh, deciding thwarting Trump was the single most important mission in their lives, Carlson said. Everything depended on it. Many of them said so publicly. But there are those who sought to get close to Trump through flattery that Trump is susceptible to, including former Vice President Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, and Mike Pompeo, to subvert his new administration uh, from the inside, Carlson warned. Invariably, the ones that flattered Trump the most hated him the most and disagreed the most strongly with his views, he continued. They all called Trump a visionary genius up until the moment he lost power, and then they unsheathed their real agenda, as always, the neocon war agenda, and they piled on with maximum force. This is just brilliant stuff. Carlson's third episode began by postulating Trump's ultimate indictment and arraignment was planned in the GOP primary before the 2016 presidential election when Trump called out the lie of weapons of mass destruction. It's just brilliant. I mean, uh, Tucker Carlson is doing a great job. Uh, again, he's facing legal challenges from Fox News. I don't know how they could possibly challenge him. Putting something on Twitter 13 minutes long doesn't compete with Fox News and their cable outlet. But uh, Twitter, I, it's, I'm just so grateful that uh, we have access to Tucker Carlson's thoughts. And when he speaks, he speaks brilliance, in my opinion. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Mm-hmm. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences, and you can find out more and visit the website. Get tickets as well, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now, we have with us Bob Levy. He is the Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and focused on free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot org, O-R-G, on the web. Thank you, Bob, for that. So uh, <clears throat> we have now uh, this emerging trend in uh, ESG, uh, environmental, social, and governance uh, pressure on uh, corporations. I'm going to call it pressure, but uh, perhaps uh, you'll redefine it. But tell us about ESG movement and the so-called stakeholder capitalism um corporate managers say their critics should be serving not only their shareholders uh, who are of course the folks that hire the managers but also other stakeholders in the corporation namely the employees the customers and even the suppliers of the corporation and an offspring of that is this esg movement that you um, mentioned. The E, as you stated, is for environmental consciousness. Uh, the S is for social sensitivity, which includes things like the safety of the workplace, how you treat your employees, your involvement in the community, and of course, the fact that your corporation is not producing no-no products, but only virtuous products. No mm -hmm. tobacco, no firearms, and no fossil fuels, and some go so far as to say nothing related to national defense. And then the G in the ESG is for good governance, and this means generally it means transparency, and accountability, um, cutting back on executive compensation, make sure uh, make sure that your board of directors is sufficiently diverse, and by that, of course, they mean gender and race. So this, this uh, fidelity to ESG is supposed to <clears throat> meld the different aims of the various stakeholders in the corporation. That's the theory. 
<laughs> I'm pretty skeptical, as you can tell, Bob. But what about the traditional corporate objective to uh, like maximize profits? Yeah, this was this was uh, Milton Friedman, the Nobel laureate in economics. His uh, perspective um, in, set out in his his uh, classic 1962 book, Capitalism and Freedom. The quote from that uh, that's on point is: "There's one and only one social responsibility of business." to use its resources and engage in activities designed to increase its profits so long as it stays within the rules of the game. And then Friedman uh, restated and reaffirmed that in a um, 1970, uh, eight years later, New York Times op-ed where he said, a corporate executive is an employee of the owners of the business. He has direct responsibility to his employers, and that responsibility generally will be to make as much money as possible. And, of course, he added adhering to legal and ethical norms. Mm -hmm. So this objective profit maximization, said freedom, Friedman, uh, would, would automatically take into account the interests of these other stakeholders, the employees and the suppliers and the customers. And it would promote uh, aggregate societal and economic uh, benefits. So uh, Friedman's theory was quite, I think, quite different. Yeah, absolutely. So can profit maximization and ESG concerns be reconciled? Well, I think on the merits, uh, the Friedman doctrine still, uh, certainly it's clear, and it certainly retains its essential uh, logic. It's been mischaracterized as antithetical to ESG mm -hmm. and to the other stakeholders. But I think the reverse is true, um, because managers who seek to maximize their profitability, they have to serve in order to maximize profitability. Lots of groups, the groups that produce the company's product and that purchase the company's product. So by emphasizing shareholder value, uh, if we have an efficient stock market, that means the discounted present value of future earnings. If we emphasize that, then corporate executives will be nurturing not only their stockholders, uh, but all of the parties who have a stake in the solidity of the, of the enterprise. And, of course, that includes the employees and uh, the suppliers and most of all the customers. Yeah, so, I mean, the big flaw for me is <clears throat> who gets to decide what ESG really looks like when it's applied? I mean, you get the flavor of the day coming up, for example, uh, uh, you know, you, you're not, uh, you, you don't uh, su support uh, uh, diversity or you don't support, uh, you know, whatever it might be, the flavor of the day, it comes up and then somehow the corporation gets docked because they're not doing what, exactly what the politicians want. Yeah, ESG is sort of merged into this uh uh, diversity, <clears throat> equity, and inclusion framework, and right. also the woke capitalism—you know—that's that's now so very uh, so very stylish. Uh, the net effect of which is to um, create some murkiness with regard to uh, which corporations are complying, which are not, and what do we do about it? Yeah, well, take a look at what happened at Target and Bud Light. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if profit maximization is the goal, should executives be compensated based on stock market performance? Well, they often are. Uh, that's the more the rule than the exception. That is, executive compensation is tied 
to stock market performance, at least in major corporations. And um, this is, of course, a manifestation of the, the whole profit maximization uh, goal. Um, of course, that's been criticized uh, by uh, the academic establishment and by mainstream uh, media, and not, not entirely without some justification. So there's been a response. There's some devotees of, of Milton Friedman, and I count myself as one, who suggest that maybe we ought to have some uh, more nuanced and updated framework uh, that might be appropriate to take some of the edge off of uh, a stark profit maximization. And there are lots of reasons for that. But for starters, uh, the market price of the stock may at times be uncorrelated with how well the management has performed. Right. Because you have all sorts of other variables involved. And that includes how's the economy doing. You know, that, that of course, will affect the stock price. And the manager has very little impact on that. How's the industry doing? He has more impact on that, but still not total. Uh, what kind of intellectual property protection does the company have? Do they have patents that have allowed them to build some sort of market power? And especially if you're a high-tech company, uh, then you have network effects, you know, the the ability to increase your volume and still increase your price because the product becomes more and more valuable, like a telephone, for example, uh, depending on how many people are using it. Yeah. So uh, these these things may have materialized, these other effects, long before uh, the current manage, management took office. And uh, so the market may respond to those variables having nothing to do with the the corporate management's uh, performance. So there are some problems with a stark uh, profit maximization objective. Well, you know, Bob, I have no proof here in front of me, but nevertheless, I still recall uh, managers... CEOs getting uh, huge compensation packages when their per- stock performance has been very poor. So <laughs> there's yeah, not always exactly. a correlation. Exactly. Well, so if, uh, what are some of the uh, other disconnects between profit maximization and shareholder value? Well, the obvious uh, short-term profit maximization can, you know, enrich the managers uh, if, they're, if their compensation is geared to that, uh, but, but doesn't redound to the long-term uh, benefit of the shareholders. So you could have, for example, things that will increase short-term profits, like let's uh, cut back on research and development, or yeah. let's let's cut back on our marketing budget, or let's forget about maintenance, or relax our quality control, or not worry about pollution and, and certain other negative uh, externalities that impose costs on uh, third parties that are not reimbursed by the uh, company. So th- if that's what the company is doing, it can, it can increase profits in the short term, but in the longer run, that's going to harm the customers, the employees, uh, and it's going to harm social welfare. And, of course, long term, it even harms the, uh, the shareholders. And a, another example, by the way, is excessive borrowing, borrowing. And we saw that in the financial sector. You temporarily leverage your equity returns and generate short-term benefits, but you create unsustainable risk that comes back to uh, to haunt you. And then you and I have talked about in the past, maybe most harmful, these higher profits and the share prices uh, can emerge from from rent-seeking, which is, you know, just manipulating the political process uh, without creating new wealth, and the, like seeking tariffs or, or subsidies or 
government loans or occupational licensing requirements. So these are all ways of elevating short-term profits that in the long term, I think, uh, don't help shareholders and therefore uh, it'd be a good idea to do something to, to, um, to rectify that situation. Bob Levy, again, Chairman of the Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute, C-A-T-O dot org. Bob, really appreciate your commentary on this important subject. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. We always start off our conversations on Wednesday morning with Good news. Do you have some good news for us? Well, I think the good news, uh, that I, as I see it, Bob, is there's a, uh, a collective process uh, in place to push back against many of the actions being taken by the left, and I think that's, that's just inherently good news. Uh, I think one of the more interesting and uh, dramatic, actually, in, it, in its own way, is Fox News, in one of their chirons, uh, put up these, these words, Wannabe dictator speaks at White House after having his political rival arrested, obviously with a picture of uh, of Joe Biden on the screen. Uh, it, it, I was just very pleased to see that Chiron go up uh, on, on the screen. It's unusual. It's strong. Uh, and I thought it might be a statement that Fox News is getting itself together as a, uh, as a strong supporter uh, of, 
of what is right in America. Uh, also, uh, uh, well, let me let me interrupt here, if, if I may. I, you I, may. I, I did see. I've actually got that chiron right here in front of me, looking at it. My guess is that somebody stepped out of line and made that chiron, and they they no longer have a job at Fox Fox News this morning. <laughs> well, it's, it's one of the, it's one of two things, Bob. Either they don't have a job or they were promoted. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, who knows? Who knows? But in any case, I, I was glad to see it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fox News' is, uh, polls, not polls, its uh, ratings have been slipping, uh, certainly since Tucker left. Uh, it was the go-to source for most conservatives, not that it was pure of heart, uh, but essentially it was the one place to go. But even that has been falling away. So there's a chance that maybe Fox is, is returning to be a fair plat- platform in terms of what's, what's going on in America. That's my optimistic view to you pessimists. So, Interesting. <laughs> I, 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 I will say that... Uh, I don't know if you heard Tucker Carlson last. That's some more good news, by the way. But he did a 13-minute episode again yesterday at about 6 o'clock. Eight million views in two hours, if you could believe that, and 32 million views as of uh, uh, about 7.30 this morning. Well, I, I've taken uh, to the uh, to the form of uh, watching Tucker the next day where I can pick up his video, and uh, the video of, of Tucker in its complete form and, and reading the words, considering them, and I have them on... Uh, in print so I can copy them and reuse them if I need that. So uh, that's the way I go about it. But your point is, 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 is still there. Uh, I think they're estimating that the audience was 100 million uh, people. So that certainly indicates something. Well, now, whether they're influenced or they're already, uh, that's already the choir, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, but certainly in, in any case, uh, the audience that Tucker's receiving is substantial and uh, a significant statement that, that Americans are looking for what Tucker Carlson offers. And in my opinion, what he offers, Bob, is the, is the unvarnished truth. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And I will say, too, this may be the beginning of a revolution on how news is presented. In other words, rather than being tied to a network and having uh, network bosses having influence, being in a free speech platform like Twitter and saying what's on your mind, I mean, just is so refreshing. I mean, so I think literally we can say several personalities decide to take that route. Yeah, I, look, I, I think I can't disagree with that, Bob. On the other hand, I think there was something about the family gathering around the TV to watch Tucker on uh, each weekday night at 8 o'clock. So right. you know, whether they can do that in front of a, uh, a five-inch uh, iPhone screen, I don't know if that's the same thing. But in any case, you know, you're, you're correct. Uh, I'm optimistic. No, I'm not optimistic. I am hopeful uh, <laughs> that maybe with the ratings that Tucker's drawing, that maybe this will influence uh, at least Fox News uh, to go in a, in a stronger direction uh, to, to match up with that. Uh, so I hope that's, that's what Tucker will, will provoke, a, a more enlightened media. Uh, again, I'm not optimistic about it, but that would be my hope as what uh, the main thing that I think Tucker could really provoke. Uh, well, thank you for that. I share your wish. I interrupted you, though. You had some more good news for us. Well, yeah. Yesterday, um, <clears throat> J.D. Vance announced that he will be holding up uh, all Department of Justice nominees. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, he's basing this uh, in, on the unprecedented, this is what he said, unprecedented political prosecution of President Donald Trump. Uh, he says that uh, Merrick, if he said Merrick Garland, if he wants to use these officials to harass Joe Biden's political opponents, we will we will grind his department to a halt. So I'm glad to see J.D. Vance uh, standing up for 
uh, for, not only for Trump, but I think that's the wrong way to approach this, uh, to stand up for the rule of law, fairly administered, justly administered across the board. So uh, I was glad to see Vance uh, taking, that, uh, taking that position and that action, actually. Uh, another one that is similar to this is uh, Joni Ernst, the uh, senator from Iowa, uh, indicated that she is uh, introducing a process to uh, challenge the IRS being an armed bureaucracy of the federal government. Mm. Uh, since 2006, they have spent $35 million uh, on firearms, ammunitions, and tactical gear, with, with $10 million of that since, uh, since 2020, since Biden came into office. Now, why in the world... Um, uh, IRS as a as a unit needs to be weaponized is beyond me. Uh, certainly, there may be uh, uh, challenges to IRS situations, but again, there are other units of the federal government far better equipped, far better trained uh, to enforce these rather than some IRS agent who will be marginally trained in terms of the of the use of this weaponry. So I think that is a strong move. I think it's the appropriate move. Uh, and by the way, it doesn't only apply to the IRS. It's almost all of the federal bureaucracies are, are, are armed to the teeth right now. So uh, I think this is something that has to be looked at and, uh, and explored in terms of its implication, Bob. Well, thank you for that. It certainly has my has me concerned. I don't worry about it every night, or but nevertheless, uh, when you have arms of the federal government, look. The reason we we sh we need to protect ourselves from the government that we need laws to protect us from uh, government overreach, not because of what people do, but be more because of what the government does. So the focus right now is don't. Ex I mean, wh why should we expand the government? We should have less government and more freedom. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that's true, and there's, I don't think there's a point in American history uh, through its entirety where there was less defended freedom in the federal government than there is right now. Now, there may have been episodic situations over our long history where, where freedom was challenged, but nothing as coordinated, organized, and uh, enforced as we're seeing right now in the federal government to suppress American freedom, Bob. Absolutely. Andy, we need to take another uh, break. Can you stick around? I have no be place better to be. Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University.
Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. If you're looking for a casual dining experience, no reservations, and inexpensive but terrific food, think about Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., serving dinner, and it's a great menu. Uh, we go there once a week. It's really fabulous. I hope you check it out. Lulubee's Diner, great breakfast and lunch, but also now dinner at the Green Tree Shopping Center, Lulubee's Diner. Uh, we continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. <clears throat> Andy, any, any other good news? Well, uh, yesterday, um, Paul Abadi, the uh, deputy director of the FBI, was into the Senate for some questioning, and uh, you could see Ted Cruz was getting visibly angered by the, by the reluctance to answer and the smugness, I, I would call it, of, of Paul Abadi as he, as he refused to answer any, any questions about uh, FD-1023 uh, that, that allegedly, and for all practical purposes, has been proven, shows Joe Biden accepted millions of dollars in bribes. Right. Uh, now, most of this came from uh, Burisma, uh, in Ukraine, and, and the, uh, Zaklevsky, I think, is the, the name of the head of uh, uh, Burisma. Uh, it has now been established fairly conclusively that he is an intelligence agent for Russia. So here we have a, uh, a collusive activity with Biden through Burisma, generating uh, $10 million apparently in, in bribes. That's documented in the, in the FD-1023 form. Uh, and again, the, the Ukraine uh, president of uh, of uh, Burisma is apparently a Russian intelligence agent. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. It's, no, you can't. You it's really just can't. just unbelievable. So I, I do want to get your thoughts on uh, uh, President Donald Trump. He was indicted yesterday, 37 counts. He gave a speech last night at uh, Ben Minster uh, Golf Club. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I have, gosh, I have a lot of thoughts on this, as we all do, I guess, Bob. Um, first of all, if if Donald Trump wins the presidency in 2024, and you know I'm, I'm hoping that's the case, I think there could be no louder statement uh, that the, the left has failed over the past seven years, not only in their attacks on Donald Trump, but their attacks on America, since Donald Trump is the agent of defending America. So again, if Donald Trump wins the presidency, uh, on top of the, the actions he'll take for America, I think his very existence symbolically represents that the left, in all of its forms, mm -hmm. has failed. I think that's, that's the most optimistic thing I'd say. It's not an unreasonable optimism, by the way. So I think that's, that's one side of this issue. On the other side, if Donald Trump is imprisoned, uh, in my estimation, 
Uh, I cannot see America surviving that event. Uh, now, perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps uh, uh, America is more uh, more uh, tolerant of this uh, uh, this obscenity uh, than than I am. I think that's obviously true, but uh, to any degree. Uh, and I think we're looking at two extreme things that might generate from from this current Biden uh, indictment uh, scheme or scam, as we can call it. Uh, first, the 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 rejection of the left in its totality, and secondly, the rejection of America in its totality, as it was. Bob. Yeah. Well, you know, if he's uh, imprisoned, it doesn't mean that he can't be elected president, nor does it mean it couldn't he could serve. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's been uh, fairly well documented, although I think uh, uh, Robert Reich, uh, former um, uh, advisor to the president, uh, I guess during the Obama administration, perhaps I'm wrong about that. Uh, but again, he's, he says that Trump should not be allowed to even run for the presidency. So uh, I'm not sure if he understands the, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. But uh, <laughs> on the other hand, there, there is this kind of talk, and we know... I, at one point in, in my involvement with America and as a public speaker, I, I, was, I could feel confident and say things like, this cannot happen. Yeah. I no longer am comfortable saying things like that, Bob. No, I understand to uh, totally. And, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi says that Trump has an opportunity now to prove his innocence. Well, it's always innocent until proven guilty. You know, so in other words, these little play on words of things that are occurring right now, trying to change reality from the Constitution. Uh, they're sneaky and they're <laughs> and sometimes subtle, sometimes not. But the the point being is that they're trying to change the nature of our republic. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, I I would even if I was his lawyer, I would consider starting out with the uh, the very raid on Mar-a-Lago, for example, and uh, define whatever happened after that as being the the fruit from the poison tree. Uh, I think a case can be made that the raid on Mar-a-Lago was illegal. Yeah. Uh, that it had no uh, no basis, in fact, to to be launched, uh, and therefore everything generated from that uh, could be rejected. Now, what I just said uh, requires a, a a fair interpretation of of the law. Uh, now, again, we're not getting any of that, so I'm not optimistic that that approach will be be taken. But I think we can uh, we can suggest as uh, as Donald Trump uh, said yesterday in his uh, post uh, indictment uh, uh, statement. Uh, he called uh, Jack Smith a raging lunatic, uh, <laughs> saying he looks like he's he look a thug. He added, this day will go down in infamy, and Joe Biden will forever be remembered as not only the most corrupt president in the history of our country, but perhaps the president who tried to destroy American democracy. I think all of that is true, uh, and I think it's, uh, it's what many Americans feel. If we look at the support that is being offered to the, uh, to the former president, uh, even uh, post uh, his indictment for this uh, uh, folk charge, uh, espionage, for crying out loud, mm -hmm. uh, I think we're looking at an America that seems to be fully aware of the absurdity of this process, Bob. Well, I just come back to that Chiron that you mentioned. Wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. I think it just speaks volumes, doesn't it? I mean, uh, it's kind of like the uh, the king has no clothes. I mean, it, <laughs> somebody speaks the truth right there in in public. So you know, I I just the American people are not buying this. They just don't buy this Democrat crap that's being spoon fed to them right now. That, that seems to be the case, and uh, that's a source of optimism. Now, I, of course, I can make the, the case that in a, uh, in a totalitarian state, that may not matter. 
In other words, these type of uh, popular viewpoints in a democracy with a voting process in place, a legal voting process, which is always in doubt in this country. Uh, If those things are in place, then yes, those things matter. But in a totalitarian state where the the bureaucracy in all of its forms is controlled by the left, and it is, uh, when the media is controlled in almost all of its forms by the left, and it is, then those things become of marginal importance. So uh, I don't want to disparage the existence of, of, of what you just said, Bob, because it's true and it's, it's important. Uh, but on the other hand, we are so totalitarian at this moment, in my estimation, that yeah. those things may not have any meaning at all, Bob. Well, you make a good point, Andy, and uh, you know, we need to take another break. and you stick around? I'll be here. Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy, but most importantly, help prepare elected officials to have a winning strategy in the state legislatures as well as the federal government. And I hope you check out the website. I proudly serve on the board. It's thefga.org, thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Bob. So, Andy, did you see the desecration of the American flag at Pride Day? At the- uh, I, was just, I was just amazed um, uh, just to see the, uh, the Pride flag fly in at the same level uh, and uh, in between two American flags. Uh, which is a violation of our of our flag regulations. Uh, the, the 
Biden suggests that this is the the most courageous group of people that he's that he's known. I mean, just and he's had military people in there, heroes of of war, and never never said anything as as dramatic as that. And, and let me just add for your audience: my my brother was was gay. He passed of AIDS. Uh, one of my former students is a transgender. One of the one of the most accomplished people that I that I know. Uh, just a remarkable, remarkable human being. So I mean, I have no nothing against this, but this this kind of insertion uh, of this process, including drag queen shows and uh, some of the obscenities that are that take place during the LGBTQ uh, parades, I think is just. Uh, is just uh, it desecrates normalcy. It desecrates all that we know is decent. Uh, one of the uh, one of the transgenders bared her breast, or several actually, uh, at this event at at the White House. Uh, and again, I just think the the setting was inappropriate. The president's comments were inappropriate. And I think rather than developing a uh, a greater openness towards. Uh, people who are um, uh, in those sexually challenged areas, uh, it, it's beginning to create resentment because of its forced imposition uh, on Americans at all levels. And I think uh, it's not the uh, pushback against the gays or the, the transgenders. It is a pushback against the government and its forceful insertion of this into every phase of American life. Well, I mean, part of the strategy is to divide us, correct? And this is one of the ways that that happens, is to, number one, create change so quickly that it becomes upsetting. Uh, you know, you, you can only accept so much change over the course of time. It's happening very quickly, and it's just uh, in-your-face change that is uh, annoying and irritating, and the consequence is that, you know, he, again, this they're, they're trying to create this... Well, they're trying to you know, to revolutionize the country and trying to uh, what is it? What did Obama call it? Uh, make change? Anyhow, whatever. Whatever. It's just it's disgusting. And and again, wannabe dictator speaks at the White House. <laughs> that's that's exactly know, if, right. If we read about the actions uh, that are taking place in current America, taking place in some pagan nation in 300 B.C., we would we would understand. Uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. We would we would understand the, uh, the 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 problems in a in an immoral society. And as as our founders said, several of our founders said, America uh, and its constitution are only constructed for a moral people. Now, I'm not suggesting that anybody in the LGBT community is immoral. What I am saying is that the public expression of this, uh, in many cases, if you've ever seen one of the gay parades, uh, there's there's uh, vulgarity that is just uh, beyond pornography, Bob, and I think this is something that demeans our nation, uh, demeans who we are as a people, Bob. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that uh, totally. Yeah, you know, I actually went to a gay pride. We went to the theater in Washington D.C., and uh, there was a gay uh, pride event, a, a, a parade, uh, right in front of the theater that we were going to go to. So we wanted to get down there early. We ended up talking to this guy, really nice guy. He, he said, "Hey, well, you know, I'm gay. I'm here, but this is what what I'm seeing. These people do is just obscene. I can't stand to to look at it. You know that kind of thing. So it's not like everybody's on board that's gay or." Uh, transgender, whatever they they have their own diverse points of view, and some in m many cases they're they're turned off by the whole movement as well. Uh, no doubt, my my brother, uh, as I said, passed of AIDS. Uh, he had a good circle of friends in, in Soho in New York, probably one of the original groups that became infected with uh, with the AIDS virus. Uh, his his group of friends. We had a summer place down in Wildwood, New Jersey, and uh, my brother Chris would bring his friends down, and they'd uh, they'd spend a week with us down there at the shore. 
and there was never any problem. I liked these guys. They were fun. They were joyful. They were intelligent. Yeah. Uh, so there was no no problem whatsoever. Uh, now again, my my brother's life was snuffed out short because because of AIDS. But you know, his exposure took place when when nobody was was really aware of the implication of it. So uh, yeah, you're absolutely correct. These are diverse people. My brother was a a rock hard conservative. Uh, and what, his friends were not. Some of them were liberal, and some were just uh, not involved. So this is a very diverse community as compared to what we're being uh, being asked to consider right now. So, uh, and especially when it's going into the schools, I think that's that's a bridge too far for many parents, for many Americans to uh, to bring this as a forced intervention in the educational process of our kids when they're not uh, emerging as as good readers as people who can write well, as people who can do math well, or, or understand science, when, when that is imposing itself in a system that is failing in many regards, I, I think this is totally unacceptable. Yeah, absolutely. What, just a couple of thoughts. Just reminds me, when you talk about uh, Joe Biden's uh, judge of character, I mean, he basically said his crackhead son was one of the smartest people he knew, and now he says the transgender folks... <laughs> Are <laughs> the bravest, so maybe yeah, maybe it calls into question his judgment. I, I just wonder if he remembers anything he said prior to the immediate moment he's in. Yeah. So I mean, this this may not be hypocrisy, but just his inability to ever remember where he stood before. Bob. The other thing that amazes me, though, on uh, to continue the conversation on uh, our children, is that the uh, situation of uh, child mutilation is just continuing is and making it uh, illegal in so many different places. Fortunately we live here in the free state of Florida. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the phrase, you know, uh, parents should have greater influence. Now, again, let me just point out, and I think it's obvious that the parents are also a diverse group. Yeah. Uh, many of them support these absurd things. And uh, so I think we have to deal with the issues per se, whether or not they are, they belong in the schools. Uh, so I think it's, it's not... Uh, the right way to go to suggest that parents should control this, because we, we may be very surprised at the outcome in that area, but certainly many parents are pushing back, and I think that's, that's to be applauded. Uh, but I think we just have to deal with the very purpose of the public school system, and it's being funded by citizens. This is a, a publicly funded uh, process to produce better citizens. That is the major purpose of it. What we're seeing now with the children being taught to hate America, uh, discouraging children of being proud Americans, uh, involving them with, with the most uh, perverse forms of sexuality, uh, I think this is not the purpose of the public schools, Bud. I agree. Andy Joppa, again, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Great read, by the way. It's off topic for today's discussion, but check out Josephus of Oz by Andrew Joppa. Andy, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope us. to see you soon, Bob. Thank you so much. You too, Andy. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Canada is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Always enjoy our conversation with Bill as well. Appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy, your, enjoy the show, I hope you'll share that with your friends. It's one of the ways we reward our advertisers for supporting the show. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks 
so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.